0: Hey, I'm Rich Hunter-Rice and welcome to the 3 Percenters Business Coaching Podcast, Season 2. and a very warm welcome to episode 41, season 2 of the podcast and it is Friday the 23rd of December already so this is the 12th uh, daily episode dropped in December and I hope you have enjoyed it so today, this is a bit of a first for the podcast this is the first time I've got someone on for the second time so Dr. Jamil, we spoke, it must be a couple of months ago and it was literally the episode that everyone I had so much interaction, so many comments, so much feedback about. And uh, people wanted to hear him a bit more of Dr. Jamil. So this is why we decided to meet again uh, a couple of weeks ago and had another amazing inspirational chat. So I will leave you with the interview and I will catch you at the end. Hi, good morning, and a very warm welcome to the 3 Percenters Business Coaching Podcast. I apologize in advance for the sound. I am still in Chiang Mai, chi- uh, Chiang Mai Thailand when this episode goes out, and I'm I'm in, a, I'm in a remote working center, and it feels like I'm in, a, I'm in like a, uh, a square box with glass and the noise, is just, I can hear the acoustics bouncing back at me, and it's not the greatest sound, but I'm trying my best, I promise you. Anyway, very special episode today, and this is the first for the three percenters business coaching. So, and what I mean by that is, my guest today is the amazing Dr. Jamil. So, Dr. Jamil, before I introduce you again, well, I'll let you introduce yourself. We spoke last on the tenth of October, and as I was just explaining to you, so right now for me in Thailand, it's eight o'clock in the, in the evening, and for you, it's eight o'clock in the morning, being as you're in New York. So, it's amazing. I appreciate you getting up early and doing this for me now. But the episode. That we recorded earlier we, we always get a good interaction right for the podcast we always get some good interaction I always get great feedback and I really thrive off that but the episode of you was like another notch it was so much higher than everything else so it shows everything about you resonated with the audience as well so anyway I'll stop I'll stop talking introduce yourself please tell me tell me who you are what you do and away I've already said where you're located but just let's just do it again let's get cracking
1: sure rich thank you so much for having me back it's such a pleasure to be with you and your audience again and i always love to set an intention you know in the beginning and for me my intention today is to through through you and i's interaction make this as valuable as possible you know for everyone who listens to this you know it's like past present and future (laughs) and so a little bit about myself um like rich mentioned and yeah, i'm just i'm a lover of people i'm somebody who lights up when they see people truly alive And when I think about that and how that's played out in my life and the work that I do, I love working with leaders, champions, and high performers. And I want to start by defining those terms. When I think about a leader, I think about a person who wants to make a bigger impact in the world, a difference, but not just for themselves. It's for their family, their company, their community, and depending on the size of their vision, their country or the world. When I think about a high performer, it's a person who wants to be the best that they can be. And when I think about a champion, it's the person who wants to be the best. (laughs) And it's like from that perspective, a leader, champion, a high performer, helping those individuals experience more happiness, peace and fulfillment as they create an extraordinary life without regret and something to be with. When I say a leader, champion and a high performer, there's some people who hear that and they say, you know, it'd really be nice if I could be that. I wish I was that. And the thing is that each of those is an identity that you choose to take on. None of those are something that you're born Mm. with. And so it's, it's a choice that you make, not even day to day, moment to moment. And when you make that choice moment to moment, your life shifts in a really beautiful way. And so big picture, that's the foundation of the work that I do. And it takes many different kind of vehicles through which that happens. There's life coaching, business coaching, and relationship coaching. I'm a naturopathic physician. And then there's also you know energy healing. There's NLP. There's mental and emotional release work. There's a lot of different hats that I'll wear depending on what my clients need, but that's the uh, the big picture of it. And like you said, I'm from the I'm from New York in the U S.
0: Um, amazing! What an opener! Thank you. Now, just referring back to the last episode, remember the spider was dropping down towards the end that really distracted you. Can we just look around? Mate? There's no spiders coming today, yeah, yeah, No, good. Yeah. yeah, I want to want to share
1: something because I just think it's a funny please way to open. So please we were wrapping say. up that last please show. Say. And Rich asked me a question. I think he was like, so how can our audience you know, connect with you? And as I'm about to speak, the spider comes down right in front of like the right side of my face and I see it catches me off guard and I notice myself, I just give it a quick blow and then I immediately regretted it because it shot away and it started coming back at me and I'm like ducking out of the way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is, we are, we are in a spider free zone right now and we are good to go.
0: Uh, it was it was one of those great bits, and I didn't edit it out. It's still in the podcast at the end. It's still there because I thought it was really funny because it was just, yeah, I could see you getting so distracted, this thing coming down, and then you blew it and realised it was a bad move, so that was really cool. Um, so... How's 2022 been for you as a year? Obviously, today we're, we're, we're recording this live on the 17th of December, this uh, the 7th of December, sorry. This episode's going out on the 23rd of December, so coming towards the end of the year. So if you look back now, 2022, how has it been as a year for you?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna answer that in two ways. One, I'll answer it how it's been for me, and two, I'll answer it in a way that I think will really give value to everyone listening, because they can put step into their own version of this. The first, you know, from a business perspective, it's been my best year by far. Um, One thing that's been a real blessing for me is I look at my business year by year by year by year. I've been in business now for almost five years. I've been coaching for 18 years and I've been in a professional sense for about five. And I look at the growth over time and I can say without a shadow of a doubt where I am right now in my business was an absolute dream last year. And let alone, you know, five years ago, and then, you thinking about all the years I coached for free to consider I'd be where I'm at right now, there was the, you know, the intellectual, of course I'll get there, but like the actual being here is a very different feeling. And from the space of very often, we keep looking towards the future and we think that there is better than here. And the thing is, there isn't better than here. There is just different. And so if we come from the space that there is better than here, we undervalue where we're at right now. And yet where we're at right now was two years ago's dream. And so by realizing that where I'm at right now is where I dreamed I would be, even though I still know I'm just getting started and I know that there's so much more to come, it slows me down and it allows me to really appreciate where I'm at and really take it in. And so as we're finishing up the year, you know, I have this process that I do with my clients where we, we kind of create a letter And it's a letter from future you to now reflecting on the year that you've just created, but you write it a year in advance and every day you spend time with it. And I looked at my own letter and almost everything in that letter has come true. And uh, it's a really wonderful feeling. And so, like I said, for me, it's been a wonderful year, both business, professional, personal, all of those things, but also there's just my level of love and appreciation for other people and for life and for myself. Has just gone immensely higher, and I think on uh, on our journeys we spiral up, and it's like a never-ending staircase. Are you an a one or two or more rungs higher than you were before? And if the answer is yes, are you a better version of you? You know, we, I think we compare ourselves to other people versus compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. And if we come from that space, you got nothing to be um, nothing but be to be proud of yourself when you're a better version of you, a more aware version of you. You know, people would look, look back at their life and maybe they reflect back on things that they think, how could I have done that? What was I thinking? But the very fact that you wouldn't do it again now means you're no longer that version of you. And so when we come from that space and it's like, okay, you know, yeah, I've made, I've, maybe I made some mistakes along the way. Maybe I had some hiccups. Maybe I, I did what I did. But overall, like really happy, you know, with where I'm at right now in my life. And I think that applies to myself as well.
0: I think, I don't think, I know there's some great advice there for anyone listening to this. There's so many great tips there. And I think as human beings, we tend to compare against everyone else. And it's always the wrong thing to do because you're not that person. You are yourself where you are right now. And the past is gone. The future hasn't happened yet. And we'd always tend to be looking across ways, which is just absolutely crazy. So, and if I could add, please do.
1: Just the the, the comparison is interesting. Cause I agree with you, and I do think that there could be a spot for it in the sense that, when we think about comparison, the if you wanna the one way to think about it, you know, from a one perspective, if we there's like a right way to compare and a wrong way to compare. The right way to compare is you compare yourself to somebody else, and it motivates you. It inspires you. That could be a great use of, you know, of a motivation. So if, you, if I'm going to compare myself to some coach who's like 20 years ahead of me and they're making multiple seven figures and they're doing all this stuff, and I would go, "Wow, like, look at the impact, look at all they. look at what they're doing, what can I learn from them?" and then get like com- let that competitive spirit like rise up in me and the best of me comes out. Awesome. In that way, comp- co- competition is wonderful. But most of the time, that's not what we do. Most of the time we look at somebody who's further ahead on the journey, and we tell ourselves, I should be where they're at now. And the truth of the matter is, you should be exactly where you're at now, given the law of cause and effect Mm. and everything that you've done and not done up until this point. So I remember when I was just getting started, I was in business for like six months, but because I'd convinced myself of the story that I'd been coaching for so long, even though it was for free, it was like, I don't get it. Why am I not as successful as Tony Robbins? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> the guy's been a coach for like 60 years. And it's like, you know, 40 something years. But the point being, here I am comparing, you know, from an alphabetical metaphor like A to Z. I'm on chapter A and I'm comparing myself to this guy who was on like chapter X. And I'm thinking I should be where he's at now when I haven't done the work that he's done. I haven't put the, the you know, the, made the connections that he's done. I haven't done any of that but I'm supposed to have the same result. And it's like, no, I'm not. So if you're gonna use comparison, use it because it motivates and inspires you and it makes you feel better about yourself because you're kind of pulling yourself up to a higher level. But the moment you start using it as a weapon against yourself to beat yourself up, then at that point, just compare yourself to who you were before and just be one step further. And if you just did that, you feel really good along the way. A spot on,
0: And you know, the ever interesting thing to what you just said there, if you go back and look at Tony Robbins' old stuff, 10, 15 years plus, it ain't that good. So you can see the journey here. I think it's phenomenal, and I think it's an absolute legend where he is now. But he's been on that journey as well. So, again, it's, it's an unfair comparison sometimes, but that's really cool. So you've had an amazing 2022. I can see this. You've been on quite a few podcasts. Any idea how many podcasts you've been on this year? Ah. <sighs>
1: Probably so. It's a combination of I have my own podcast, but I've also been a guest on podcasts, and I, I want to say about about thirty. I believe. Nice,
0: amazing, yeah, 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 cool. You've done public speaking, so I see you're at the uh, virtual summit back in September twenty second, twenty fourth. With your, yeah. Hang on, I've got this. What's holding you back from your next level of success, and how to fix it? What a great title. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I uh, for, for everyone who's listening, if you're ever doing a presentation, something I learned because my, my titles used to be horrible, <laughs> don't speak coach language. You know, mm. don't like, it's like, it's like I will help you release your limiting beliefs. No one thinks like that. <laughs> so if that's your title, no one shows up. <laughs> but the title's yeah. got to be something that people are actually thinking about. You know, yeah. it's like something that, that you join the conversation they're already having in their own head. And uh, yeah, but it, I've been really blessed to most of my clients not all but most of them are in the real estate space and i speak at a lot of real estate conferences and events and that has been a big blessing so about 30 podcasts and then probably somewhere between 10 and 20 different like real estate events
0: amazing i love that and then you also had a number one international best selling book out
1: yeah yeah that was a, a blessing and a wonderful experience as well so come and, on, and there's also talk to us about the book uh, There's also something there too, I think as a, as a, just a lesson from my own life, for everyone who's listening, you never know, you know, what's going to happen. And it's like, I got approached by a gentleman two years ago, three years ago to be on his podcast and I was on his show and we had a fantastic conversation just like you and I had last time and are having, and are having now. And he reached out to me like a year and a half later. And throughout that time period, we touched base. We had some great connection calls, things like that. Just stayed in his world. And he reaches out, he says, hey, I am turning my podcast into a book and I've had over 200 episodes and I handpicked, you know, the 12 to 15 most inspiring episodes and you were one of them. Can you share your story in this book in addition to whatever you want to add to it? And I was like, wow, that's such an honor. Absolutely. Thank you. And that was, you know, we're in December right now as we're recording this. And I believe that was in like August, a couple months ago. And then within a month and a half, the book was out and people all over the world were buying it and they were loving it. And similar to what you said, I've had people who I know and don't know who've reached out saying at least, you know, the book as a whole, but at least I can only speak to my chapter that they got so much from it and that story changed their life. And the thing is for me, as I reflect back, I knew I wanted to write a book, but I didn't have an intention of writing a book this year. And and then from that space, though, you know, it happened. And so it's like being open to the possibility that what you want can show up in ways that you didn't expect it to. But you have to show up first. <laughs> so, so, you know, I had to stay in touch with that guy. I had to say yes when the opportunity came. I had to do all the work and submit all my stuff on time. Like, you got to meet life for the opportunity to manifest. But at the same time, if you show up, you know, it's, uh, things change in a really beautiful way and sometimes in an unexpectedly beautiful way, which is even more serendipitous.
0: And as you've said, you never know what's around the corner. So for anyone listening, it's leaders with a heart volume one. So I love the volume one part, which tells you there's going to be loads more of these books in the future. But as I said, it's been a number one international bestseller not just a bestseller so it's available on amazon there is a kindle version and there is a i think it's a paperback version i've just seen so i would highly recommend checking it out i shall go i shall be purchasing a kindle version this very evening and checking out your paragraph because i'm inspired to do that um so since we last spoke i've done my nlp practitioner how was it oh God, I could spend the next hour just talking about how amazing it was and how it changed me. And I cried and oh my, opened up so much. And it literally changed me. Mm, Halfway beautiful. through, it changed me. And it's, I'm still the same now. And it's just the most amazing experience. I, if anyone anyone who asks me for advice, I might just go to NLP. Go into an NLP practitioner. And I'm scheduled to do my NLP practice. Uh, Master Practitioner next year, 2023, beginning of 2023, because I enjoyed it so much. But one of the things you said was about opportunities all around us, but we often don't see them unless we're present or unless we're ready to see them as well. So there's that Jim Carrey film, Yes Man, I love the film. It's obviously quite quite an old film now, but just by having that, I mean, I know it's a Hollywood film and he says yes, and suddenly all these amazing things happen to him, but it's happened to me as well. So just by saying yes, meet some amazing people. I'm currently, I'm currently co-hosting a five day challenge for a coach over in New Zealand. So it means at the moment my alarm's going off a quarter to five in the morning. Tomorrow's day five, it's the last day. I will get a sleep in, but not, but not until Sunday. Um, but just the most random things and opportunities happen when you're ready for them and you are present and you, you start to see them as well. So it's just, it's just amazing. It's just uh, so, so, so powerful. Okay, so that's your book. And then, Can I share
1: a Please do. Ca- I've just dropped my pencil, so you carry on. <laughs> uh, so I believe this story is relevant to what you were just saying, but it also, I think, it really served our audience. And so uh, I, I began studying NLP when I was 15 years old, and that was because I got exposed to Tony Robbins, and I saw this guy helping people have these transformations in like a 20 or 40 minute interaction in front of a five, 10,000 person audience and they would get this result that they've been in therapy for for 20 years and they weren't getting it. And I was like, how is he doing that? And I found out the foundation of his training is NLP. So I read all these different books on it. It was all like self-training, no formally. It wasn't formal. And it wasn't until my final year in medical school that I went and I found out that there was a, it was like serendipitous. It was like a Facebook ad or something. There was an NLP regular practitioner, like five-day training. 15 minutes from my house. Normally you got to fly somewhere. It's like, it's right there. <laughs> and I said, I have no reason not to go. And this is when I lived in Arizona when I was in med school. And I, I went to this training and on day four, they talk about the master prac training. And the thing was the master prac training was like 10 times the price <laughs> of the regular one. And the thing was, I, had, I have a note that when I was 15 years old, I wrote saying one of my goals in life is I want to be a master practitioner of NLP. And there I was at 28, 27, and I'm like, I have to be at this thing. But I had just finished med school, like either I was about to finish or I had just finished one of those two. I had no money, I was completely living on student loans, but all the loans, they're not coming in anymore because school's done. And I'm about to have multiple six figures in debt and like I need to find a job and and I was coaching for free, so I had no business yet. So I wasn't in a good spot financially. So I get told how much it is, and it's, so I can't afford that at all. And But the thought process was like, you know yes, man, say yes to you. Don't say no to you. I th- I said to myself, I I have to be there. So I go to the back of the room, and there's this woman who kind of runs the show. And I said to her, I've wa- I'm 27, 28. I'm like, I've wanted this since I was 15. I have to be there. Do you have a payment plan? And the lady goes, oh, absolutely. Here it is. And I look at it, and I'm like, I still can't afford that. So then I said to her, all right, um, I, I gotta be there. I still can't afford that. Could I give you like a different payment plan that you'll still get all the money by that time, but it's like a lot smaller for the first three months and then it'll ramp up a lot for the last three or four, because this was in November and the, 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 pra- the master prac was in July of the following year. So it's like payments start in January and I'm banking on the fact that I'm gonna start a business and create all this to be able to pay for it. And she goes, well, you know, we're about to take a lunch break, go figure out the numbers and present it. And I'll let you know if we could do it. I go crazy during lunch with the math and I figure out, okay, this I could do at least right now. And I got to pull off a miracle later on, but I got to do this. So I do it, I show up, I give it to her and she looks at it and she goes, let me run it by, you know, my boss. And then she said, all right, my boss said, I'm not allowed to give other payment plans, but because of the way that you and I have been interacting, he'd make an exception if you put $2,000 down today. Now, I only had $1,200 in my bank account, and my living expenses at the time were between fifteen and 1700 a month, and my rent was due in about a week and a half, two weeks, and again, it would have been more than the 1,200 that I had. And uh, I was like, oh, hold on a second. <laughs> I walked away and I was like, "I need to go to this thing." And I made a phone call, and I called a family member, and I borrowed a1,000 dollars paid him back after, but I borrowed a1,000, put a thousand of mine up, put the 2,000 down payment. I now have 200 dollars left in my bank account, and I have a bill of between 15 and 2,000 coming in like two to three weeks. And I left extremely excited, first of all, because I said yes to me and I, I did it. Like I found a way to get into the training. And then I walk away and now I have this, oh my gosh, like what the hell did I just do? Because now, you know, the payment plan starts in January, but just that deposit put me in the, into a bad spot. But then I get back home and I really sat with myself. I said, all right, if I really want to say yes to myself here, I got to step up. And... Um, Within 48 hours, I brought on a new client. That client uh, paid my rent for the next uh, you know six months. And then a week after that, I brought on another client. That client paid for the monthly payment that was gonna start in January. And then um, within three weeks, I was in a, a much better spot. And then fast forward, now it's June 1st, the final payment goes through because they want it done before July. And I'm so excited, the thought process is, I did it. Oh my gosh. Like, because I, I was in, I, I was so proud of myself that I pulled it off. And then it hits me, the training's in two weeks. I'm in Arizona, the training's in California and the training's 15 days straight, eight hours a day. And I don't have a place to stay <laughs> because I'd never done any trainings like that where I had to travel to them. And this is before now when all these trainings are online and stuff, it wasn't as prevalent. And so most trainings I went to were like near me. So I go on Airbnb's website and everything I could find is like, you know, crazy high price ranges. I finally find something that's right down the street. Airbnb had this thing where you can pay half now and half in two weeks, had to, over the next two days, brought on a new client to be able to pay for that. And then I get to the training. I'm the youngest person by far at the whole training of like 100 something people, every day the doors open, I sprint to the front row, I'm sitting right there, I did everything I could to take notes like a crazy person, I absorbed everything, I fully engaged. And as a result of that training, I learned skills, brought on clients that came from that training, have been on multiple podcasts and spoken at events and just that training has brought in over six figures, if not multiple six figures to me. But it only happened because when I was in the room and I didn't have the money and I said to myself, I have to be there. There's a, there's a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it's a very famous like, finance book. And Robert Kiyosaki talks about how his quote unquote rich dad growing up wouldn't say, how can I afford it? No, no, he wouldn't say, can I afford it? He would say, how can I afford it? So it's not a yes or no, it's I am doing it. How am I going to figure it out? And that was one of the first times in my life that I found myself, I knew it intellectually, but I fully like bet on myself and I said yes to me. And I said yes to life because here I was for at that point, 13 years or so saying, I want this. And here's the first tangible example of it in my life where I could have it. But I was about to say no, because it was scary. It was, it seemed bigger than I'd ever played. But by allowing myself to do that, I up level into a new level of me that can now handle that new space. And then because of that, like I said, all these different opportunities have shown up. And I think that you know, right now in our life, for everyone who's listening, there's opportunities that either are already here, they recently were here, or they're soon to show up, but they're not necessarily gonna be comfortable because they're outside of your comfort zone. They're, they're beyond what you've done before. So by definition they're unfamiliar and the way that the mind typically does things unfamiliar is uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is bad and that gets you scared. (laughs) But if we can come from that space of saying, you know what, everything's uncomfortable and unfamiliar until it's not. And if this is what I want to do, lean in. You know, I have clients that have been so resourceful to pull off working together. They've sold things, they've taken loans out, they've done all these things because they were in that same position I was in saying, I wanna do this, this is so important to me, I'm gonna make it happen, I'm not gonna say no to myself. And so I just wanted to share that story because I think it it can really help people realize that when it's uncomfortable but it's important to you, lean in, when you lean in and say yes and it's something that's in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing, the rewards that come from that are so immense and they're so much bigger and beautiful than you can likely even imagine, but you won't know and
0: realize it until you say yes first. That's an amazing share. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's That just shows your resourcefulness, but you're absolutely right, you know, by challenging yourself and putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Do you know, it's something I talk about in my program every single week, it's about challenging you to be out of your comfort zone and be resourceful. And also you know just never take anything for granted there's so much opportunity out there um that's amazing thank you thank you so much for that um and then so to top off your year well a bit bit more closer to date you've just completed your second spartan race so talk to me about that how is that what is a spartan race
1: yeah, so it's a it's a it was a beautiful experience. Like the first one I got to do was years ago in Arizona. Funny, it's a very different environment. <laughs> Arizona for anyone who's not been there, think of it. You're in the, it's a desert, but it's a really cool state because you've got where I lived. It was desert. It's hot. Three hundred and twenty or thirty days out of the year, it's sunshine. The summers, the summers get to be in Fahrenheit between a hundred and ten and hundred and twenty five, which I think is like. 50-something degrees, so it's
0: like, you know, 40
1: to 50. And it's up there. Uh, It's around there. And um, to answer your question, the Spartan race is, there's three different levels of it. Um, There's a 5K, so it's like about a three-mile race. Then there's whatever the middle one is. And then there's, like, I think it's called a beast or something. And then there's, like, the top one. Now, they're all essentially the same concept. You have a race that you're running, and in between, you've got all these obstacles that you're going to be doing, that show up very frequently and so with the race I did it was a 5k coupled with I think it's 20 obstacles and it's climbing over things and ropes and lifting heavy things and carrying things and throwing a spear <laughs> and doing all these things that you would think a spartan would do you know at least in a movie and uh, when I did it in Arizona like I said it was desert and it was really hot and that was an experience carrying like barrels of rocks and really heavy stuff and doing all these things and you know, messed my hands up on a rope climb because I wasn't wearing gloves and I slid right down. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but in the, the New York one, it was New York in November and it was freezing temperatures and it was, we were outside for hours and that was a whole different animal. Most of the um, ex- exercises were the same, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And it's one of those things that, another example of doing something that's uncomfortable especially because it was so cold. It wasn't comfortable being outside at all, even with gloves and a hat and like bundled up, you're still like shivering. But once you got moving and you show yourself, oh, I can do this, and then you finish it, there's a level of accomplishment that's just really wonderful. And I had a good friend of mine, I've known him since we were 14 years old, he asked me to do it with him. And it was an opportunity to connect with him and have a great experience and create a new memory. It was an opportunity to visit a place I've never been to before, the location of where the event was held. And it was an opportunity to laugh and to have fun. And we did it with a third friend that I had just met. He was a friend of my friend. And it's just an opportunity to create new memories, you know, say yes to life. So when's your next one? So right now it's not fully planned, but my friend did tell me at the end of that race, he's like, I'd love to do this like yearly at least. And I said, I'm up for it. So I told him though I prefer to do one in in, like the summer
0: when it's warmer. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I can, I can imagine that. So have you, done, have you taken part in any more events like that? Have you ever done a half marathon or a marathon? So
1: I, I did an event. Let me see if I can remember the name of it. Um, uh, hold on. Uh, the name will come as I speak about it. But it was a very interesting race. I did, it's called a Ragnar Relay. There we go. I did it in Arizona and I did it in Utah, both when I was in med school. And I never heard of a race like this. So basically, it's 150-ish around there mile race that's done over the course of 24 hours and you do it as a team of eight people and the way it works it's a relay so the, the 150 or ish or whatever that number is it's broken up between the eight people everyone runs three times but only one person runs at a time and somebody's always running and no matter what time it is and so the thing is that when I first did it it was in Arizona in the desert and it if if anyone's ever seen you know I'm a fan of the Harry Potter movies if anyone's ever seen those in the fourth one the Goblet of Fire there's a scene in the beginning where there's a giant like sporting event and there's like an ocean of tents it's like a a village basically that's kind of props up on the land and everyone stays there and then they go and they watch the big match in this it felt like that because we show up and the race started at like three p.m. But me and my group of like the four other people, we showed up at like five because the four of us aren't running yet. But, you know, there's already people on our team out running and we're all setting up our tent. And now it's like this ocean of tents and different personalities. Some people are like grilling and barbecuing. Some people playing music. Some people started a little fire. Everyone's like got a little personality to their little tent. And that, I've never been in a situation like that and it was really cool. And then there's three different races that you run. And for, to keep it simple, it's like easy, medium, and hard. Everyone runs all three, but the order is different for everybody. So for me, my first race was at 7 or 8 p.m. Then I come back to the tent and, you know, it's dark and maybe I eat something and take a nap. My second race was at like 2 in the morning. And then my third race was at noon the next day. And my two in the morning race was my quote unquote hard race. And you're going up this mountain with this crazy incline. At at one point I get injured and I'm kind of doing this like shuffle because my knee's hurting so bad. I thought I heard a wolf at some point (laughs) and it was like howl at the moon. It wasn't a fun experience, but the race overall was fun enough that I went back a year later and we went to Utah instead. It's called Zion National Park. And uh, that experience was very different. Same idea though, three races, I ran at night, ran during the day. And something about that, very unique, but the part about it that was most fun to me was the social aspect. When you're not running, you're just at the tent speaking with eight or 10 people and you're surrounded by all these other tents. And when you're doing it with friends and family and people that you care about, it might be an experience that's so unique that like you've never had before. And uh, so at my experience when I was in school, I hadn't had an experience like that with my friends before. So that was a really enjoyable experience. So I've done that Ragnar relay twice. I've done a Spartan race twice. Um, You know, I've always been like an athlete. And so doing, uh, you know, when I was younger, cross country and doing track and field. um, But uh, those are, that's the extent of, I think, the formal races that I've done in the last kind of five or five to 10 years.
0: Uh, it's pretty impressive, don't you worry? I'm I'm very impressed already. So, what about hobbies? What does uh, Dr. Jamil do in his spare time? Does he have much spare time? What do you do when you're not working?
1: Yeah, and so one thing that I, I love the way you you asked that, and I because uh, given the context of you know the name of the podcast, I, I think this will help people too. You know, I have a lot of spare time, and it's but that's intentional, <laughs> and the way I've set up my business, you know, like I said, I'm very grateful and fortunate with the work that's gone into it, that this year has been the best year by far, but I have the same amount of time I had last year as it relates to free time. And so hobby wise, you know, yesterday I was in a a rock climbing gym. I joined an indoor rock climbing gym like six months ago. That's been a lot of fun. And so um, it's something that similar to track and certain other sports, but track and field, even though you might race other people, cross country as well, you're really racing yourself. It's the comparison against you. Yeah, you are racing other teams, but you're racing the clock. And it's like, can you do better than you did some other time period? And rock climbing is the same where you get on that wall and there's some route to go up. And the first time I joined that gym, I just remember there's really easy routes and there's routes that get significantly harder as they go up. And one of the ways you determine how hard it is, is the like the holds on the wall go from being these big jutting out things that you can grab with your whole hand and put your full body weight on it to these little things that you can barely get the tip of your finger on and you're supposed to hold your whole self on that. (laughs) And so I go the first day and I can do the easy, the easy like two or three, but it was still like, I was scared of the height. I had to get used to that, but I, it was like a 40 foot wall, but I could get used to it. But then, you know, the day, the second, third, fourth time I went, I tried to do like some medium difficulty stuff and I couldn't even hold myself on the wall. But then you fast forward another week or two, and now I'm doing it. And I was I felt so proud of myself. And so now, fast forward six months, you know, yesterday I made progress on something that was brand new for me that was a brand new difficulty, and I got probably 80% up the wall, and it felt very inspiring. And so, excuse me. So the rock climbing is one hobby that I really enjoy. I love to sing. And so singing is something that's been kind of in my life since I was a child. My dad was very musical, and uh, he definitely instilled instilled that on my sister and I. And uh, you know, it's funny for me, my work and my play are one in the same. And so I don't think of it as like a work life balance. Like they are the same thing. I do have a boundary when it comes to like technical work, but in terms of like there's times where I do and times where I don't. But at the same time, I'll spend six, seven, 10 hours a day reading and doing trainings and going through things that'll help me get better at what I do and it's enjoyable. I remember back when I was in med school and I'd be, I I would study for my board exam. And as I'm, so I spent six, seven, 10 hours like reading like medical stuff. And then when I finished that, my break, my have fun is, oh, let me go read this personal development book. (laughs) And somebody would say, why would you go read again? And it's because it wasn't work. Like that was relaxing, that was fun. And so for me, you know, rock climbing, singing, and then the work that I, the work I do right now is a lot of fun and it's fine. Th- there's more hobbies, but I'm just completely blanking on them. Exercise, <laughs> you know, I definitely you've, given me out.
0: you've given yeah. me enough, don't you worry. So singing, what's your song of choice? <sighs> it's interesting. When I was growing
1: up, um, my father, he, was really big into Elvis Presley and was really big into a lot of like older music, like, you know, Michael Jackson and Marvin Gaye and things like, for him, it wasn't older, but for me, for me, it was older. And it's like stuff like that is like kind of the foundation. And then as I got older and I was listening to the radio all the time, there'd be like the modern songs, they were like the pop songs or the rock songs and stuff like that. And I would, you know, take a crack at singing, like, you know, as many of those as I could. And then nowadays it's kind of those, coupled with um, like Josh Groban and things like that, those are the ones that really, um, you know, resonate. And it's funny, I spend so much of my time listening to, you know, personal development and growth in that sense that I love music, but I don't, I find out about songs and like, oh, that's such a great song, it's new, right? And someone goes, that sounds like
0: five years old. <laughs> I don't know like the new stuff. So a lot of my songs that I know are older. <laughs> Listen, I'm not offended. I'm not offended when you said Michael Jackson was like really old. I'm like seriously, that's only a few years ago. But you know, I hey, I've been to I've been to Memphis. I've been to Graceland a long say, time ago. Oh my god, what an experience! I wasn't an Elvis fan, but you can't help but being an Elvis fan. By the time you come away from that place, it's like, oh my god, this dude was so if, cool.
1: If I could share a quick story, because I didn't Please share do. this on the first, I didn't share this the first time we spoke so my father he was a family practice physician and at the same time he was one of the top three elvis impersonators in the world
0: no and so music was his
1: yeah music was his life he's toured with elvis's actual band he's in the elvis presley hall of fame he elvis was he would always say you know my colleagues have golf i have elvis (laughs) he would do these giant he would do these giant shows and raise all this money for, you know, hospitals and do all these things. And he would, would, you know, be, he'd blow us away. And the thing was that there was a story of his where when he was younger, he and his brothers, maybe some of his cousins, they were driving through um, Tennessee and they actually were like, we have to stop by Graceland just to see it from the outside. And I think my dad was driving the car and they get to Graceland. And so for whatever reason, nobody's there and the gate is open and my dad's thought process was you know we got to go in and his brothers and cousins are like we can't go hey like what the hell are you talking about and he and he was one of those like <laughs> kind of like what Absolutely. I, do with that. I you, like, you say yes and so he drives in and this this must have been probably in like the 70s or the 80s but you know probably the 80s so he drives in and uh they pull up and know they get out of the car and nobody's there and he's looking around going this is incredible and they walk up to the staircase and now they're at the front door and he's like oh my god And he goes we got to go inside (laughs) and all my his brothers and cousins like the hell are you talking about (laughs) we can't go inside and he like puts his hand on the door and it's open and as he pushes it with no exaggeration as he opens the door a whole SWAT team shows up around them with guns pointing at them, literally yelling, like, who are you? Like, why are you here? Like, all this stuff. And they're freaking out. They're like, oh, my God, we're so sorry. Like, we're big fans and all that. But I, that, that that story came to mind when you just talked about um, Graceland. But, yeah, it's a, it, he was such a... What's coming up is a breath of fresh air. He was that, too. But he was such a lively person full of love for the people that came in touch with him when he would do his Elvis shows he would have patients of his that would show up to the show patients who have all these different physical medical conditions let's say where they can't move too well they're in a lot of pain they can't stand for a long period of time and then he does some two three hour show and they're in the front standing up dancing without their cane for two hours with no pain and it was like music turned into this healing force and You know, he uh, threw himself fully into everything that he did, whether it was medical or music. And that would be a recommendation to everybody else who's listening. Whatever you're doing, if it matters to you, it's like I said earlier, a leader, a champion, and a high performer. A high performer is I want to be the best, at least my definition, I want to be the best that I can be at the thing that matters most to me. And in order for you to be that, you got to throw yourself into
0: it fully and completely. Again, amazing chair. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's just brilliant. It was a long time ago. I don't really. I was alive when Elvis was alive. Just, and I think, did he die seventy seven, maybe seventy five? I remember vaguely him dying, but I was only tiny, very very little. Um, But it was inspirational going to see Graceland and his jets and his car collection, his suits, and just the amazing philanthropy work he did that you never hear about. And since I'm oh, a bit of an Elvis fan on the quiet. You know, I do like that stuff. And also um, <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee is a quite a cool city as well. The music is amazing. The barbecue food is amazing, mm-hmm. but blues, I've always loved blues now since going to go Memphis. So it's a very cool one. It's a place I'd love to go back to, I'd love to go back in the future. Okay. So what advice does everyone need right now?
1: Hmm. It's open-ended enough to, we can go anywhere. <laughs>
0: okay. Absolutely. So but where we are, the world's in a very strange place. I'm obviously in Thailand, and I'm trying to hide a little bit, I'm trying not to watch much media and stuff, but there's yeah. some weird stuff going on in the UK. There's some weird stuff yeah. going on in the USA. So what's, what's the advice that, he, that everyone needs to hear from you right now?
1: So what's coming up for me is... Especially now, given where we're at, I'm gonna say two things. I'm gonna share a quick story, and then I'm gonna share the um, the the advice that came to mind. So, in the in the United States, we just finished what you know what we call Thanksgiving, and yep. end of November. And in that time, I had an aunt and an uncle that came to stay with us, and I grew up with them. They're from New York as well, or they're not from New York, but they lived in New York. You know, the whole time I was alive. And when I was about 14, they moved to Virginia, a different state, not too far away, a couple hours. And we didn't see each other as much anymore. And the thing, that, what, the thing that happened, though, was this trip, they came, they stayed six days with us. And during that trip, without exaggeration, every night we would speak for five to six hours straight for six days. So now we have like 25 to 30 hours of conversations talking about everything about life, going deep, listening, speaking, sharing, all the crying, all these wonderful things. And when they left, you know, I I walk them to their car, give them the send off. And then the thought crossed my mind. If that was the last time I ever got to see them, that was worthy of being the last time. And my loving challenge for everyone to be with, prior to me, this is goes with the advice, but prior to the advice, when you think about the people that matter most to you, was the last time you spent, was, was the last time you were with them worthy of being called the last time? And very often we look at that and we say no. Because maybe we were in a hurry, we were in a rush, we were we were thinking about other things and we were distracted, whatever the case may be. But we never. I had a friend in med school who, very happy guy, always seemed to have a great attitude. And I remember seeing him one day and he's, he looked, something was wrong. And I said, hey, are you okay? And he said, no, you know, uh, I just found out from my mom and we're both in Arizona. He's like, I just found out from my mom that my grandfather, this guy diagnosed with this really aggressive cancer and he only has a month to live. <clears throat> and then he says, and, the, and it's really hard because I can't go home for two months. And then he said, you know, we never think the last time we see someone is going to be the last time. And so using that in addition to my Thanksgiving story, look at your own life right now. If you're fortunate to have another opportunity to be with the person that you care about, how would you spend that? If it was possibly the last time, which it could be. And I don't say that ever to be like pessimistic. It's just to be real. It could be. And if you treat it, every interaction like it could be the last time, notice how much more of you would show up to that interaction. Know how little the distraction you would allow in that interaction because nothing else is more important than even the minute and a half that we have together right now or the whole day that we have together right now. This could be the last time. And so that's the first part. Second part about the advice that I would share. Actually, no, I'm, I'm going to preface this too. For me, I look at life and business as relationship games. If you wanna do great in either of those, like really optimize your relationships. And so with that in mind, use use that Thanksgiving advice I just shared. What if this was the last time? Is it worthy of being called the last time? And you can think about it in real time, because as you're speaking with this person, right now, if this is the last time I ever get to be in Rich's presence, I wanna give it everything I got. And so in that same kind of way, you're in an interaction with somebody, And the thought crosses your mind, you know, this isn't that great. And then you pause. Okay, what if this was the last time? What would I do differently right now? I've got maybe 30 minutes left with this person. I've got a minute left with this person. How am I gonna hug them? How am I gonna be with them that just amplifies the experience and makes it that much better? So that's the first part of what I would absolutely recommend not only now, but for the rest of your entire life. If this is the last time, is it worthy? And if not, do something about it. And if that has already happened, Think about if I'm fortunate enough to have another moment with them, how am I gonna spend it? And it's the same thing not just with people. If you're a public speaker and this, what if this is the last time you're gonna be on a stage somewhere? Right now, what if this is the last podcast I'm ever gonna to get to do? Then I want it to be the best podcast I've ever done. And if that's the case, you bring the best of you always to every interaction. That's part one of the advice I'd share. The second is to, since we're wrapping up the year right now, about to step into a new year, use this opportunity to slow down and reflect. Is the path that I'm on, excuse me, what I really want? Am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Am I actually building towards something that matters to me, that's meaningful to me? Or am I mapping all of my actions to an outcome that is what society or my family or whoever else wants for me, but it's not actually what I want. Is it what, because most people let's say we're in that unhealthy comparison of comparing ourselves to other people and then feeling bad about it. Is this thing that I'm going after what I actually want or is it what I think I'm supposed to have? That's a whole different game because this is what I think I'm supposed to have based on what commercials and the media and society tells me and social media, this is what you're supposed to have to be successful. Meanwhile, that's got nothing to do with success. That That's someone's version of success. So define for yourself, what is an extraordinary life without regret? What would fulfillment look like? What would light you up? What would that life be like? And then are you on track to create that? And are you experiencing it now? Because happiness is never outside of you, it comes from within. So are you actually experiencing it now? And if not, there's that Sufi poet Rumi from I think around eight 900 years ago. And he says, I'm paraphrasing this, he uses love, but you can use happiness for this too. Don't seek love outside of you. Look within and find all the ways that you're blocking it. Because it's already here. Happiness is the same. Happiness isn't out there and you'll experience it when you achieve something. Happiness is within you and you'll experience it when you give yourself permission to experience it. When you stop creating all these unnecessary conditions that A, B and C has to happen first in order for me to allow myself to feel happy because it's not its not true. And so slow down, check in, am I happy? Am I fulfilled? If I'm not, what needs to change, internal and external? And then if I am happy, how can I slow down and just reflect on where I've come from? I started by one of your first questions was, how is 2022? And I've reflected on this year compared to last year and the four years prior. And I look at, I am such a different version of me, you know, even month by month, but year by year. And I'm so proud of that. And even if I feel like I have a long way that I wanna go, I can just sit in this piece of, life is freaking awesome right now. That doesn't mean all my goals already came true. That doesn't mean there's not any challenges. But like I said in our last conversation, every single day, 150,000 people don't wake up. And if you're listening, you weren't one of them. And that means that all those goals and the dreams that you have, it means the people that you really care about, that that the one last time that you might have to be with them, that is showing up soon, you have an opportunity for all that to happen because you woke up, you're still alive. And what if you grounded yourself in that and that you grounded yourself in everything I need, I already have. And I can come from that. But by definition, if you need it, you have to already have it because you're here of course. if you really Mm -hmm. needed it if you really needed it like to survive and you didn't have it you wouldn't be here so everything that you actually need you already have now it's just a matter of the things that you want that maybe you don't have but none of those things are gonna make you happy happiness comes from you so slow down check-in utilize the next few weeks to slow down and to say am I living the life that I'd be proud of the life that I want to live and if the answer is no Take that ownership and that responsibility. Step into the role of being a creator of your life and build the life that you want because at the end of the day, you're the person that you're going to answer to. You're the person you're going to look in the mirror and you're either going to hear the voice in your head saying, what are you doing? Like, you know this isn't right. Or you're going to hear the voice in your head look at you and no matter what you look like on the surface, the voice is going to say, well done. I'm so proud of you. You're on your way. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Keep it up. And you get to decide which of those lives you like to live. And just like the name of my podcast is Transformation Starts Today. When do you get to decide that? Not even today, now. Now is when you get to decide how you want to live because your future is created by what you decide to do now. So make your present moment count as much as possible.
0: Right there, it's gold. So that's great advice. That's, that's, that's amazing, Share again. So thank you. You are absolutely on fire. What, what... What are the small steps that people can take every day to make that difference? Can you repeat that question? Yeah, my question is following on from that. I think I I think that was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful advice. Slow down, reflect, look back, think where you are now. What do you want? Do you want want difference? You make changes. It's down to you completely. So, what would you what would you recommend? The small steps that people can take every single day to make that difference to build the life they're looking for.
1: Okay, so. There is a, I might have said this on our last call, but it's it's relevant to your question. There is a way that I finish pretty much every message that I send, whether it's a text message, an email. I say, create a meaningful day, all my love, Gmail. Now, that's not some like auto response thing that happens. I type that every single time. And I type it because it allows me to step into that space. It's a different headspace, emotional space, heart space. Now, I've had people say to me, how do I create a meaningful day? Like, how do I do that? And then there's some people that maybe I'll never see again. And so I've zoomed out before and I've said, create a meaningful life. And that was when somebody said like, how do I do that? And so this is my answer to your question. You create a meaningful life by creating a meaningful day. And you create a meaningful day by creating a meaningful moment. And a meaningful moment is a moment where you make a decision that moves you in the direction of where you wanna be and what you wanna experience. And when you create enough meaningful moments, you have, you have one of those days where when you go to sleep at night, there's like that, ah, wow, what a day. There's that feeling of just like, you, you squeeze the juice out of life today. Like today was an amazing. And unfortunately for most of us, that's not a day we feel too often, but when it does happen, it's so refreshing. Now, when you create a string of those meaningful days, over time, you create a meaningful life. And so when you say, you know, what can people do, it's going to be different for everybody. That's why, you know, advice in the nature of what should people do, it's going to be a little bit more vague and big picture, less specific because everyone's different. Mm -hmm. You should do what works for you. You shouldn't do the thing that everyone else is doing because you think that's what is supposed to be done, you know? So whatever slowing down and reflecting looks like for you, whether it's praying or meditating or journaling or talking it out with Friends and family that are just going to listen and hold some space for you to externally process, (laughs) whether it's writing down what your goals are and really reflecting on, does that light me up? Does that excite me? Am I dreaming too small? Like, is that the impact that I want to make? It's going to be different for everybody. But at the end of the day, it comes down to create a meaningful moment. Excuse me, I'm like congested for some reason, (laughs) randomly. (laughs) It's create a meaningful moment. Yeah.
0: Take a second. Take a second. It's fine.
1: <laughs> it's, good. So, it's amazing. Yeah, it's okay. Thank you, man. And so at the end of the day it's create a meaningful moment, whatever that means to you. And if you can do that, the beauty of it is most people worry about the future. Now there is a practical component to this, but and I'll and I'll speak to that in a second. But all you really have to concern yourself with is the present moment. Because if you made the present moment as beautiful as possible, where's the future created from? the present moment. So now if your present moment is as great as possible, the moment that follows it, it builds on that. But if all your time is worried about the future, your present moment kind of sucks. So the next moment that's created on top of that isn't that much better. So yeah, there is a practical component to it. There's value in planning, right? There's value in thinking about the future. Where am I going to live? How am I going to pay that bill? What am I going to do? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, that matters. That's how I pulled off the NLP thing. Like, you know, I thought about the future, how I was going to make payments, what clients I had to bring in. That's the strategy of it. So yeah, be sit in the practical, plan for the future, but don't live there like come back into the present after you plan for the future and live in this moment and make this moment as beautiful as possible because you have your direction, you have your North star, you know, where you're headed. So you know the action to take now make this moment as beautiful as possible in alignment with where you want to go. And if you just do that, however, you do that, not worrying about how anybody else is doing it, be open to the fact that their way might be useful to you, but their way isn't better. Than your way. Their way is a way, not the way. And when we realize that, it's like, okay, other people are trying different ways. I'll I'll experiment with it, I'll play with it. It either works for me or it doesn't. And it can work for everybody else. But if it doesn't work for you, don't waste your time. What works for you and go all in on that. Same thing with you know growing a business. I look at coaches that I've worked with who wanted to grow a coaching business and they did what I was doing in the beginning, which I would call now like you know the wrong way to do it. <laughs> I, I spent all my time doing the things that I thought I needed to do, because that's what all these influencers were talking about. None of it was growing my business. None of it was putting me in conversation with people, but I had a hell of a business card. I had a hell of a website, <laughs> but none of that did anything for me. But when I actually said, well, what's working for me? You know, like I love people. Maybe I should be around people more. I love like sharing things. Maybe I should give some talks. Maybe I should put on an event and oh my God, people are reaching out saying, I want to work with you. Like that worked for me. But for somebody else, they might having some funnel and having some like social media thing that might work really well. That's not the, that's not the wheelhouse I, I choose to play in. But the beauty is that they both work. So you do you. What excites you? What lights you up? You're gonna to wanna to be good at those things. You're gonna to wanna to throw yourself into them completely. You're gonna to wanna to spend time with them. There was a, a talk that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates gave. This was you know years ago, and I've I've only seen a clip from, uh, on YouTube of it. But Steve Jobs said, "People say you have to love what you do. You have to be passionate about what you do in order to be successful." And his perspective was, "I agree with that because if you're not passionate, if you don't love what you do, you're gonna quit when it gets hard because you're sane." Like you're not crazy. Only a crazy person would hate what they do and they stick with it like forever. (laughs) And so this idea that you're going to jump ship, you're going to switch pattern or career if you don't like it. So if you love it, you're going to want to be good at it. And if you get clear on what's the way that works for me, you know, there's that really simple expression, do you. Stop trying to be everybody else. Like, do you. There's another quote that's coming to mind right now. It says, you know, uh, you were born an original, don't die a copy. And in that same way, when I was when I was 15 and I got exposed to Tony Robbins, I remember for a period of time, 15, 16 years old, and maybe even a couple years after that, somebody goes, oh, what do you want to do when you get older? And it's like, I want to be Tony. And then as I got older and reflected on that, it's like, no, I don't. I want to be Jamil. Now, there's aspects of what Tony has done that I respect immensely that I would love to do my version of that but I can't be Tony. Nobody can be Tony. And if I'm trying to be Tony, at best I become a good copy of Tony. But now I'm never the original. Versus let me just be the best version of me, let me learn from the different people who have their way and find what in their way can make my way better. And then let me forge my own path, let me forge my own way. And I've just found that in my own life, there's a lot of decisions that I've made that were against the grain. There were people that, were telling me, you shouldn't do that, I don't think you should do that, I don't recommend that, that's a bad idea, that's a mistake, and there were people that were significantly older than me, many of them were family, they loved and cared about me and I knew that, so I didn't take it personally. I knew they were coming from a good spot, but it didn't make it any easier in the sense that every time I saw them there was some conversation to be had about why I was making a mistake. And everything that I do right now in my life that brings me so much joy and contribution and impact and success are all the things that I was told not to do. And the thing is, so I live my life my way. And that doesn't mean you should live your life my way. That means you live your life your way. But get you have to get clear on what your way is. So many of us were living in this you know distracted world where we're in a rush and in a hurry. So you never find out your way because you don't slow down to figure that out. Mm-hmm. So you look at everybody else's yep. way and you just kind of attach yourself to that and think if it worked for them, it'll work for me. But usually it might, it might, but it, it, oftentimes it doesn't. And so again, just without going on too much of a rant, check in with yourself, <laughs> are you happy? And what needs to change if you're not? One thing I love about, um, you know, Gary Vee, he's a big social media guy, influencer, and I've seen his stuff over the years and very similar kind of message. He, he always talks about, you know, are you happy? Like happiness is the end game. And I agree, you know, yeah. All the success in the world can be great, but there are millionaires and billionaires, like this is kind of my barometer for this. I'll say to you right now, are you happy? And you say, no, let's say. And then I'll say, well, why not? But well, because I don't have you know all this money or because I don't have you know an island or I don't have a boat, I don't have a jet, I don't have whatever it is you think you need. And I'll say, so can I show you why, like evidence why that won't make you happy? And they'll go, okay, and I'll say, there are millionaires and billionaires who have everything that you think you need to be happy and they're not. And some of those people even commit suicide because they feel like a void. They feel empty. They feel like they have billions in assets and yet it's not enough. There's a story that comes to mind that I heard from a, uh, a mentor of mine, true story. There were two New York Times bestselling authors. They'd written several books. From an author perspective, they, they were a big deal. And they get invited by this guy who's got a lot of money who gets a thrill out of throwing these big parties and inviting like celebrities. And that's like the way he feels significant. And so the, uh, these two authors get invited. And so they're sitting in this like palace and they're looking around. And one of them says to the other one, you know, something crazy, we will, no matter how many books we sell, we'll never have more money than this guy. And the other one goes, yeah, you're right. But we have something he'll never have. And the other one goes, what's that? And he goes, enough. And it reminds me of a Wayne Dyer story, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Beautiful line. He goes, people say more is better. And he says, where is the peace and more is better? There isn't any because more isn't better. More is just more. More is different, but more isn't better. And the moment you really hear that, Some people hear that and they just brush it right off. Oh yeah, I get it intellectually. But when you can embody it, that's when you realize that you don't need pretty much any of the things that you think you need in order to feel happy and peaceful right now in this moment. And the moment you can connect to that, your life changes in such a beautiful way. You're not looking for any external validation anymore because you give it to yourself. You're not looking for all of these things outside to make you happy because you start from happiness. You know, I share with clients often, there's a distinction I make. You can go after what you want in order to be happy, or you can go after what you want happily. If you go after what you want in order to be happy, you're always coming from a space of I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet. So the process is not a fun experience for you. And then if you do are fortunate enough to get to the other side, and now you feel that you arrived, You might be temporarily what you might call happy or pleased with yourself, but it's short lived. And then at some point there's that, is this all there is kind of thing. I thought it would be more that I would feel bigger. And then you set your goals higher and then you repeat the process. I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet. That's the way that most people live their life when they're unconscious of it. But the other way is I'm gonna go after what I want happily which is I go after what I want, which is the key part first. It's meaningful, like it's important to me. This is what I want my life to be about, either in total or at least at this stage of my life. This is my chapter, this is what I wanna focus on. And you're going all in on it, but you're in love with the process. Like the, the, the doing of the work is the goal, not the outcome. When I think about the work I do, when I, like right now, doing this with you, Rich, lights me up so much. Doing this with you is the goal. When I'm with a client, that's the goal, not a certain amount of money, not what the business looks like 20 years from now. But the beauty is when I fall in love with the process and I make the work, the goal, I get so much fulfillment from it that I want to keep doing it and get better at it. So the business takes care of itself. Like, because I'm going to want to be good at it. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to do all that. So going back to, you can go after what you want happily by saying not I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, but it's wow. I'm so much further along than I was a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, a decade ago. This is amazing. Look at this progress. Oh, where am I headed? That's so exciting. So now you have peace with your past, you're excited about your future, and you're just so dialed in to the present moment. Like, what a recipe for a successful life. It's a life where you're just in love with you. You're in love with the moment, and you do something that is important to you, that contributes to the world, your community, and everything changes for you when, you're, when you stop trying to live the life that society or other people tell you you're supposed to live and you live the life that your heart is telling you to live.
0: Absolutely. So powerful. I love it. Oh, amazing. Amazing. So what's next? What's next with Dr. Dr. Jamil?
1: I think what's next is uh, episode three of Rich and Jimmy. Oh
0: I've already, I've already got this down, don't you worry. And I'm thinking uh, maybe episode so, four should be face-to-face, but that'll be another story. But keep going. What's next? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I love that. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, there's a few things that are next. One thing I'm actually doing today, which is a funny that we're talking about it, is I am writing my own letter, like I alluded to earlier, the one I give my clients, and I'm really going to map out, you know, what do I want 2023 to look like? Because I know what's next big picture. You know, I I know that I'm going to go to Hawaii in March, and I'm going to extend my energy healing training. And I so look forward to that. And I practice that every day. And it's, it's been such a beautiful addition to my life. And I'm excited for that. And I'll probably be back there in September, because it's offered twice a year. So I'll probably be there for the next round after that. And then outside of that, you know, continuing to grow the business, work with as many people and make an impact with them as possible, continuing to grow the podcast. But as I look at the specifics, that's exciting to me because it's less clear. But I think about, you know, I've always wanted to travel and I've always had stories in my life as I I was growing up about why I couldn't. Oh, it's too expensive. It's this. I don't have the money. I'm not ready. And I finally got to a place in my life where at this point, It's all excuses and none of it's true. And every excuse I could come up with why not to go, I could find a a solution for. And so now I look at 2023 and I go, you know, I'm blessed to say that I can, as long as I have an internet connection, I can work. So why am I not taking advantage of that? And so there's a lot of places that I'd love to to visit. And so I'm going to really map that out. And 2023, I'm going to travel. And 2023, I'm going to Meet as many you know human beings as I can, and connect with them and build memories and stories, and you know just see aspects of the world that I've never seen while growing the business, while continuing to be you know physical as it relates to the rock climbing, and I want to get back into running. You know, I was I had a goal for myself last year around uh, July, June. I said, I wonder if I can get back to my PR, which is like personal record, that's what we called it in high school, like my PR of my mile performance time. And when I was in high school, my mile time was a 4 445 I think, and wow. that was my goal. And I hadn't run like that in over a decade, and I tried and I ran like a 10 something, and I said, "Okay, wow, well, I have work to do." And then 3 months later, I 2 to 3 months later, I was at a 554, and I was about a minute off, and I was like, "I'm getting there. I'm That's so amazing. close." And, and and it was awesome and then I got injured. And so I haven't run in probably a year and I focus on weight training and rock climbing. But as it gets warmer, I wanna get back into running. Uh, I definitely wanna go go for that goal again and give myself like a longer period of time before it gets cold. <laughs> but uh, so definitely getting back into that. And then I think a great spot to wrap up this answer is, I think oftentimes we put pressure on ourselves, to have a quote unquote good answer to the question, so what are you gonna do next? And I think that I don't know is a beautiful answer. And when we come from I don't know, what I do know is that I really love my life and I'm happy. And you know, at the end of 2023, I wanna really love my life and I wanna be happy. And so whatever that entails, it'll look similar in some respects and different in other respects. And I'm open just like that serendipity we talked about earlier. I'm opening to saying yes. I'm open to saying yes to opportunities that arise once I get clear on what it is that I want, and then I take action on it, knowing that saying yes to that is going to lead me on some adventure that I have no idea, and it's going to be more beautiful than I can imagine. And so just being okay with that, playing with the unknown and the uncertainty, it creates a level of excitement. And so... You know, later on today, when I create that, and it's not usually a one-day thing, I'll create it over the next week, but I'll start it today. And as I create that, I know that the last multiple letters I've written over the years, the vast majority, if not all, of what was in that letter came true. And so getting to dream big with it and getting to step into it fully, like there's an Elon Musk quote that a client of mine shares with me multiple times. It's a great quote. He says, uh, he said, take your 10 year plan, like your 10 year goal and try to make it real in six months. And then he says, you're going to fail, but at the six month mark, you're going to be so much further along than you would have been that now your 10 year goal is probably gonna come true in like three years or two years because of what you did thinking like that. And in that same way, I'm gonna play with that idea and see what, see what comes to me.
0: I never knew that was Elon Musk. I've heard that a few times. I didn't realize that was from him. So that's really cool. Thank you. Um, as always, you've been exceptional. You've shared so much. Your honesty, your openness, your inspiration, value is just inspiring at no end. And this, as I said, 23rd of December, this is going out. This is going to hit at just the right time. Um, I look forward to this again. And Likewise. I mean that sincerely. Uh, there's definitely a third or fourth episode here. We should keep going on a, on a regular basis. Keep chewing the fat and talking because I've learned loads from you. You inspire me no end. And you'll inspire the audience as well. So, you know, thank you so much. I do really appreciate this.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And if I can just say in closing, first of all, thank you to you for, you know, this show wouldn't exist without you saying yes and stepping into your power and your authenticity. And this is something that you wanted to do. And I know you make a big impact in the world and in your community with this. So first, an acknowledgement to you. Thank you so much. And second, for everyone who's tuning in, and especially if you tuned into the first one and you're here again, I just want to thank you for your time, your attention, your energy. It's the greatest assets that we have. And I don't take it lightly that you tune in. And I do everything I can to show up and bring what comes from the heart and flows through in a way that can really serve. And I hope that that did it for you. And if Amazing. it did, I highly recommend you go back and listen again and then write things down, things that stood out to you and this things, Because by the end of the show, you're not the same person you were at the beginning of the show. So if you go <laughs> back, you hear, you hear things again with a, with a new ear. And then from Absolutely. that space, you take action. From that space, you get clarity. What's important? Who do I got to reach out to? What actions do I need to take? All that kind of stuff. And then you go and you do it and life changes in such a beautiful way. And to me, that's the greatest legacy I can think about leaving, that there's people around the world that have created something really beautiful and meaningful for themselves. And it all started because they heard some podcast or they heard some talk or they saw a piece of content or they were a client of mine for a period of time, whatever it is, that lasting shift, I can't think of a better use of my time.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. I will make sure all your details in the show notes. I always say this, but I sincerely mean it as well. Um, Go and track down Dr. Jamil. You will not be disappointed. Go reach out, tell him you've come from the podcast, connect with him, and just honestly, as I say, you will not be disappointed in the slightest. Um, Really appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Uh, I look forward to this soon.
1: Thank you. Take
0: care. Um, (laughs) just simply amazing obviously I've sat through this I've sat through the recording now just listening to it and it's just so much knowledge so much the energies are amazing and so much gold and life tips that are there it's a it's a lesson for all for all uh, Dr. Jamil really appreciate your time thank you so much for doing that and it, I just know the fact that we shall do it again in the future as well so Guys, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed the last 12 days. Uh, we're going to go back now to weekly podcasts. So the next episode will be Friday, I believe it's the 30th of December. We do want to wrap up 2022, but listen, from me to you, thank you for the support in 2022. Uh, wishing you a Merry Christmas, season's greetings, all that good stuff. Enjoy time with the family, relax, recharge, start planning to make 2023 an amazing year. Have a great time thanks for joining me for this latest episode of the three percenters business coaching podcast and we hope you enjoyed it so if you've got any feedback you want any further information or you know some amazing people we need to be talking to please get in contact simply drop us an email to info at minerva have an amazing day